This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understated or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r102.7 fm Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Greening the Apocalypse, your solutions-based, what might happen down the track, we better take a look at it before it's upon us type show. I'm going to get better at introducing that one day, Jed. Bushy's my name and uh, the Greening the Apocalypse crew of choice is Katie Dundas. Hello. How art thou? Oh, I just have this like pregnancy rage at the moment, so I'm just <laughs> trying to temper it. Temper it. Yes. I don't think you should temper it. Really? I think there's something to be said for not suppressing rage sometimes. It's, how you fo- it's where you focus it that's important. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. Mm. Mm, I'll focus it on you later on, Bushy, see how you like it. <laughs> I'm a man who's in post-surgery. I don't think focusing your rage on me is entirely a fair fight. Oh, it's like that, isn't it? <laughs> that only leaves me. I can't run and I can't <laughs> defend myself. Hello, Jed McCartney. Yeah, you're, you're... <laughs> Lucky I've got this desk between uh, Kate and I. It might save me. This is going to come down to which one of you and I runs slowest. Uh-oh. And I think at the moment we're about even, buddy. No, oh, you've no. got the bike here. Shit. <laughs> I reckon uh, at, at the moment, I don't know, Jed's training every morning. I think he might beat you. I think he will. Mm. All righty. I'm willing to take it, only because I love you. Uh, we've got a great guest. Uh, she's from up my way, but we, we didn't manage to um, carpool in together because we've uh, got disparaging schedules at the end of the show. Our guest this evening is incredibly hands-on, brains-on. Um, I'm going to call her a, an agrarian pioneer. Are you willing to take agrarian pioneer Melissa Connors? I'll take that. Thanks, Bushy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, we've been... I should probably, in the name of uh, transparency, um, there's a field day coming up. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the show, and I am both a participant in it and may stand to benefit commercially (laughs) further down the track from said field day. Um, I think I'm also emceeing, is that correct? Yep, hoping um, you still want to do it. Yeah, I do still want to do it. Yeah, just uh, wasn't, we hadn't had that conversation. <laughs> no, we there, right? it's a great way to <laughs> Maybe we'll have that later. <laughs> we will have that later, that's cool. But uh, the field day is based on, a, um, on a, an idea that you've put together. This farm needs a farmer. We're that all, is right. We're all wearing the hat in the studio. Before we even get to that brilliant idea, let's maybe delve into your past. Like, what on earth possessed you? some time ago to uh, do something so crazy as to leave the, com- the comfort of the city and move out. You just wanted to change a life. What was it? Yeah, we wanted a change of life. We um, had two young children and we just wanted a different pace and a different lifestyle for them. Mm-hmm. Wanted to escape a bit of the commercialism, consumerism that mm. we were surrounded by and just wanted to get them down and dirty on the farm, really. Superb. So where, you- were, where were you living? Tell us a bit about your life. Well... My husband and I, when we first met, we were living Bayside down in Mentone and Mordialic. And then I was um, felt pregnant with our first and wanted to move home closer to mum and dad because I was freaking out a bit. 
And so I moved back to um, where we grew, up, where I grew up in Tacoma, which is down in the Dandenong Ranges, mm. um, near Puffing Billy. If anyone doesn't know where Tacoma is, yeah, a beautiful place, but still Gorgeous. somewhat hectic um, and well, built yeah. up. Absolutely. It was a lot different when I moved back than when I grew up there. Mm. So a lot more going on and a lot busier, just a lot noisier, mm. peopley. <laughs> peopley. You've used peopley People a few times ta- off air. Tacoma. I was expecting you to say that you lived in somewhere like, I don't know, the heart of the city or yeah. Footscray, Tacoma. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> I'd done my time in the city and, you know, and worked in the city for many years and, yeah, we just really wanted to change. Yeah, really wanted the space around us. Yeah, is that something that your family has in its in its history? Is it an agrarian background or? With uh, my mum's side, my grandparents were dairy farmers, mm-hmm. and I remember going up there in the school holidays. In my memory, we were up there every school holidays. Apparently, yeah. it was only about twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. you know, I'd go there with my cousins and um, loved it. Just loved it, getting mm. out there and, and milking the cows with Pa on you know in the mornings mm. and. So worried that he wouldn't come and get me in the morning, so I'd peek in and only many times through the night. I think you know he's trying yeah. to sleep, and I'm going, "Are we ready to go yet?" Fantastic, um, and I mean, so the idea that you would move out to the the rural areas, mm. uh, the rural fringe, and uh, get into farming, um, how does that match up with your previous or professional background? Or it, pro- do- it doesn't, doesn't, no, at all. Like I've done finance, IT contracts, yeah, fitness. Jesus. Oh, retail management, yeah, everything except agriculture. They're all very indoorsy jobs. Very indoorsy, and nice. I hated every single one of them. And yeah, right. Yeah, I, my corporate career crashed when I was 25. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Nice. Big time. I just, I physically woke up one morning and my legs would not take me in. Yeah, right. That was it. That was the end of my corporate career in Melbourne. Just and wouldn't from, leave the house. Uh, I left the house. I just would not take me into the, the office. I rang that. I went to the doctors. I got a certificate. I rang the next day. I resigned. I never went back. I was going to say, where'd you go? <laughs> that sounds like a good doctor. doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I just, it just would not take me. My legs wouldn't take me in. I'd push myself that far beyond where I was supposed to be, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm much, I would much prefer be outdoor fencing or chasing cows or, yeah. 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 Even mowing the grass. <laughs> yeah, super. I mean, well, this, this, so the city these days, and Katie can speak a lot more to this, but urban agriculture and utilising open spaces in the city for, for food growing and things like that, that's certainly taking off a bit. Yeah, in a niche way. In a niche way. Was that ever going to satiate your desire for the open spaces, Melissa Connors? No, never. No. No, I need the wide open spaces. I need that open landscape. And I love the just the when you go down the Calder freeway mm. and you get past that truck stop and the landscape yep. opens up yep. and I just go, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I get into Melbourne and I'm always thinking, how, how soon before I can get back? Yes. This is just making me think about the number of people that we're expecting to come to Australia and the fact that not everybody's going to be able to live out those dreams of having wide open spaces not full of people and not mm. full of buildings. That's exactly right. So it's a point in time where you're able to see those wide open landscapes yeah. unspoilt by population moving into there. Mm. Well, temporary. You, you, sorry, just your eyes just then, Katie, when you said unspoilt by people <laughs> moving in. That's when I saw rage. Oh! Yeah, yeah. yeah there's fire behind those eyes. Um, you know what? Look, it's... Let's just jump into it. You moved up to the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much land did you buy it off? Oh, only 10 acres. 10 acres? Yeah. 
which that's is still a shitload more acres than you previously had. Well, yeah, we went from a third of an acre mm. to um, ten, and I I was thinking. It's just the same as what we're doing, but on a larger scale. <laughs> Reality is very different. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you've landed out there. Yep. So just paint a little bit of a picture. At that stage, were you still doing a commute back to town or was your... I wasn't. Mm. I was... We had two little ones at home. Mm-hmm. And actually, the um, the week that we moved, I found out I was pregnant again. Yep. And my husband was still doing the commute. So he was training into Melbourne. Yep. So it was up to me. Mm. When things went wrong, and they did, a lot. <laughs> Mostly when it's raining and cold. Always when it's raining and cold. Yes. I tell you, Bushy, when we were up there looking for houses, every weekend was beautiful blue skies, you know. <laughs> you know that's what we do up there. Yeah. yeah. No no wind, you know. It was just those beautiful days that we get, yes. you know, that are just perfectly stunning. Mm. The moving van left, the clouds opened up, and it didn't stop raining. I swear <laughs> to you. Like... It just it went arctic that that weekend we moved and it did not stop raining and I got to say I was in a very very bad mood the first twelve months of our move. David right. really copped it when he got home. I was, well, do you want to go to bad moods, Carl? I just feel like that's your domain right now. Oh, no. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. I was pregnant too. So. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's maybe excuse, that that's excuse I'm using. <laughs> did you? So when you moved to the country, did you plan the business at all, or did no. you? What did you do? No, we were just. We pretty much put six Angus steers on the property straight away. We saw fences, we saw grass, so we bought livestock and put it on there. Just like without giving it much thought. Just, oh, that, that was oh, that'll the, do. That was the thought. That was it. Yeah. We worked out where the sale yards were. We worked out how to get them back to the farm, and we thought, okay, we're doing this. So, did you do any like courses on how to look after cows or anything? Did no, you read any books? Of course not. <laughs> just... We just went and bought them and bought them home. That's it. In the we... back seat of the wagon, or oh, actually, we we did know no. no. We would have if if we did, yeah, but yeah. Um, we only had a sedan at the time. Oh, beautiful! So yeah, we know there's actually people out there. We'll take it back to your property for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I just had that Homer Simpson moment of when he bought a pony. That's all. Yeah, well, that that could very well have happened if we didn't find these other cartage guys. So. Oh, magnificent! So this is so this is a time in your life where, in order to escape the stress of the city or the suburbs, you've moved out to the country and bought off a whole new stress. Yep. There's tension. Oh, there's tension. Is there inward criticism? Do you know outward what? Outward criticism as well. Oh, or? no, all outward, all pointed at David. Yes, awesome. <laughs> but you know what? I never once thought we've made a mistake. Cool. Never once thought we've, what have we done? We've made a massive mistake. That never occurred to me. Um, I actually really, really, as tough as it was, as cold and freezing and wet as it was, I really enjoyed being out, mm. outside on the land. And I just really enjoyed where we had landed. Mm. Like, you know, it was, yeah, it was a lot tougher than we anticipated. The learning curve was larger. We'd unknowingly taken this massive task on and found it very quickly we didn't know what we were doing. And also we found it very quickly we didn't know where to go. Who do we ask? Yeah. So this is the big one and this is when um, what I I say is an excellent, a a phenomenal idea in fact takes birth. Uh, How did you come to ask for help? I'd been watching this old farmer guy who I now know as Noel Jenner and he was a very dear family friend. He walked past at our farm gate twice a day, morning and night, mm-hmm. and I would see him in town. You know, I'd nod. He just ignored me for three yeah. years, I reckon. 
<laughs> right. Meanwhile, you know, he's probably laughing at what we're doing on our farm. Did, did he uh, at least give you that, you know, that pointer finger wave that you lift off the steering wheel? I didn't wheel? even get that. You didn't get that? I didn't even get that. Shit. Yeah, I know. He, this was a tough guy. Yeah, to yeah. A really tough guy and his wife was even harder. So, right. Yeah. So does she yet give you the wave off the steering wheel? She loves me. Okay. So, this yeah, is good. she's all right. Yeah, but she was very like, who are you and why are you at my doorstep? Speaking to my husband. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, right. She was one of those real old farm, you know, farm wives, hard nuts, but she's just so beautiful once you crack that nut. So Brilliant. But I'd been watching Noel and then on this one day I saw I saw him walking and it was a really, really hot and windy day, you know, those horrible days. And I couldn't believe he was out walking. And I just in my head I said, I don't care. You can ignore me all you like, but you're stopping to talk to me today because yeah. you are not leaving without me giving you a drink at least yeah. and, and offering you a ride home, which he did take because he knew he'd pushed himself a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. But we were just having this conversation and I said to him, you're so dedicated. You know, you're out here twice a day and walking without fail, mm. no matter the weather. And he said to me, I'm off the farm now. What else do I do with my time? And then literally just went, Bing, in my head. Wow. Yeah. So he'd retired, he'd stopped farming. He had stopped farming. He was kept... he still on the land? No, he, they uh, moved off their property and bought a little house in town mm-hmm. to be closer to amenities and, yep. you know, services, all those sorts of things that they do when they can no longer manage the land. Mm. And, yeah, just with that seemingly throwaway comment that he made, this farm needs a farmer came to life. That was oh, the yeah. beginning. I love that story. Yeah. Um, but I'd really, I really want to know what had been going wrong for you to reach that point. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, like the, the cows that we'd put on our property, you know, we saw fences. They were absolutely rubbish fences, you know. And once the feed run out, they start jumping fences. Mm. So they chomped through the grass quite quickly because there were six of them, not on too little land. So, you know, they were jumping fences. Into your neighbour's place. Well, we didn't have neighbours, but, yeah, all over the place and on the road. So uh, I, I came out one morning. My husband had gone to work in the dark, so either hadn't seen them or ignored that he'd seen them. I'm not really sure. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I reckon I could put a bob on that one. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I um, was getting the kids ready in the morning and I got a knock at the door and some old guy said, your cows are on the road, love. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, so I'm standing there in my pyjamas and dressing gown with two little kids, pregnant. I think I was about 20 weeks pregnant at the time. And looking at these cows on the road, not knowing what to do. Like, I knew nobody. I didn't know who to call. Mm. Thankfully, people stopped and saw I was pregnant and they go, we've got this love. You just get back, you know, you just get back over there. (laughs) Oh, kind. Yeah, thankfully, people are kind and they stop and help. So that was one thing. Um, we ran out of tank water, of course. You know, you turn, up, turn on a tap in Melbourne, there's water. Mm. You know, it didn't even occur to us until I turned on the tap and there was no water that, oh, we've, we have no water in our tanks, you know, because the previous owners have said, yeah, there's plenty of tank, you know, storage. We never run out of water. Well, we did pretty much very quickly. Did, did they have the same number of kids? No. <laughs> that was probably why. And, you know, so... These things that just don't occur to you because it's just it's not even on your radar in Melbourne. Yeah, and you don't get taught it at school. No. And we had sheep, had sheep, they ran away and joined her. <laughs> <laughs> they got through the fences. 
the you know the wonderful fences, joined a, a group <laughs> next door, and I thought, okay, I can see mine because ours were dorpers and we could they were a different colour, and we just could not get them back. And then mm. they joined these other grazing group, and I went out to town one morning, and then I came back, and every single sheep was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Including our three little sheep. Which probably took the stress off the paddocks a, a little bit. I mean, if there's, a, if there's a silver lining to that at all. So I hope they went to a good home because they're no longer with us. Oh, right. right. We never no got them back. This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Yes, and Triple R is where you are, and our guest on the show this evening is Melissa Connors, founder, um, agrarian pioneer, I am saying, um, a founder of This Farm Needs a Farmer. Um, quick moment of indulgence here. So off air we've been talking a lot about the CWA, the Country Women's Association, um, and I've brought in a bit of cake, and everyone's tried it. It's, I've done, it's called misery cake because um, there's no sugar in it, there's no flour in it, and when my wife tasted some the other day, she told me that it was joyless. Um <laughs> What's the consensus? I don't find it miserable. It's got a sweet... You don't find it celebratory, though, do you? Um, I think, you know, I think if it had icing on it... I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Joyless. It is joyless. (laughs) (laughs) It's low carb, no sugar. Come on, Jen. I joined a cult last September. It's wonderful. It tastes quite bready. Yeah, that would be, be the almond meal. Joy cake. <laughs> but I think it's quite nice. Yeah. Like, I think vegan food, if there's a good part of the vegan food phenomenon, mm. it's a, a lot of it's to do with cakes. Mm. So, you know, you get those, like, the, they do these really good um, peanut butter raw things, like raw oh, yeah. slice things. They're pretty good. They are good. Mm. Um, we were talking just before the break about um, the initial um, light bulb moment that uh, had Melissa forming up her group, This Farm Needs a Farmer. And, uh, Katie, you had a Ripper question um, about the farmer who, in, who was first approached. Ripper, mate. Ripper, mate. Yeah. So, <laughs> Melissa, you were mentioning earlier that this farmer had been walking past your place for three years, yep. judging you, thinking, what is she doing? <laughs> like, that's her cows. They're not, they're, those sheep are going to run away. Those cows are clearly going to eat all that grass. I'm just interested if after you became friends with him, you'd talk to him about why he didn't offer help, why he had to wait to be asked. Well, even now he doesn't offer an opinion unless I ask him. I just find that 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 generation of farmers are so intensely shy. They're very humble and their attitude is, I really aren't doing, I haven't done anything special, we just got Mm. on with it. We just did it. They're a very underappreciated member of society right across the world. Yep. Absolutely. They are just, they are real hard workers. And mm. if you find that to be, um, it's a quite a generalising statement. And mm. have you met a number of people who have those same characteristics? Yeah, majority of them do. And then you get the ones that, you know, won't stop talking. <laughs> but um, yeah, majority of them are. They're very humble. And, you know, and you've really got to, there's a patient respect that you've really got to give them to, and you've got to give them time. You know, that you don't earn them straight away. You've got to earn your stripes. You know, they've seen it and done it all. Yeah. And, you know, they just they just don't have... They can't be bothered with time wasters. Mm. Mm. So do you think if you had arrived in the countryside and gone up and asked for help straight away that you wouldn't have received it? I think they would... Noel, I, I know, he would have been completely uncomfortable with it. Even now, you know, when... Um, when I speak to him, I can see him getting very uncomfortable when any any of the conversation is shifted toward uh, about him or talking about him and what he knows and just trying to place value on what he does. Mm. He's just he, yeah, very uncomfortable with it. 
Is there a so, chance, I mean, it's probably an impossible question to answer unless you've travelled widely abroad, is that that tall poppy Australia kind of thing shining through there? I just wonder how a farmer from Europe or the United mm. States might respond to a compliment, you know? Well, I, I think it could be an Aussie thing, mm. to be honest. Um, having travelled and, yeah, I, I really do think they are just so so humble in what they do hmm. and they actually don't think they've done anything really special. Yeah. I'm not sure you'd find that in other sectors in Australia though. No. <laughs> Even if you haven't done something special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true enough. So obviously, so Noel Jenner, he's become a, a firm family friend. So throughout the development, and we really need to focus on this um, This farm needs a farmer, throughout the development of the project, mm-hmm. um, You've been. So you tell us a bit about what what happened after that. You've met Noel and you've gone yeah. out and started this idea rolling. I did. I um, I spoke to Noel, and I shared the idea with a friend hmm. who's um, heavily involved in community events and and um, puts her hand up for everything. And she goes, "You need to apply for funds through the community funding scheme mm-hmm. with council." And so I did, and I actually read the application wrong. <laughs> nice. I only applied for $1,000. I could have applied for a lot more, but it got the ball rolling. Mm. And because council offered the support with the project and saw the value in it, um, Regional Development Victoria have gotten right behind it as well. Awesome. And, and also contributed a great deal of funds towards it as well. So wow. that has really um, helped network the project mm-hmm. and, you know, just the people that... Um, have taken notice of it really come a lot through those avenues. Yep. So that's what's really helped build the trust in the project as well. So just tell us, do your elevator pitch. What is the project? The project in a nutshell is sharing knowledge. So just really building a bridge where that gap has fall. There's a gap of hand-me-down knowledge that just doesn't happen anymore because kids move off the farm. And even if they move back to look after the farm for their parents, they still don't have the knowledge. So it really is, in a nutshell, it's sharing knowledge for for newcomers and for our, you know, our well and truly experienced farmers. It's a mentorship of sorts. It is a mentorship, yeah. Mm. And it's also evolving into, you know, networking the services to people's property and that sort of thing as well. It's just growing and growing. I get get lots of questions from newcomers to the area, you know, Mm. not only on the farming, but where's the best childcare? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just it's just being able to plug into that word of mouth network, which you know exists, Bushy, in our yeah. region. Yeah. Um, you know, straight away, you don't have to make all the mistakes because I've already made them. Mm-hmm. So learn, you, I've done it for you. Just come and speak to me, join the project, get on board, and then you know you don't have to deal with all those hardships. You've got the immediate support right behind you. Yeah, yeah, which is quite a traditional rural sort of thing anyway. It, is. it seems as though the, maybe the last half century or so has seen a break in a continuum. It has. It the... definitely has. And and that's why I'm saying that, you know, it is such a simple idea and all I am doing is opening communication lines that have just been closed. Yeah. it's oh, great. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about the structure of how it actually works? Yeah, sure. It's, um, you know, we've just released, released our membership offer which will see, you know, members get a visit on their farm from me or uh, this farm needs a farmer representative so that we can start the ball rolling, you know. I don't care what you want to do. I I really don't care. I'm not here to judge. Whatever you want to do on your land is your prerogative. But the one thing that we do enforce and we absolute respect, Mm. respect for the environment, Mm -hmm. respect for the 
previous ancestors, respect for the people and respect for your community and yourself. Mm. You know, there is no use going in there and abusing the land because if you abuse the land, it's not going to look after you. No. So everything is about sustainable, you know, ethical. And it's just about, you know, connecting people in to the services and the farmers that can actually help them achieve that. So you go to the farm yeah, and find farm. out what they want to do and yeah. then do you hook them up with someone? Yeah, we, I come away with a list. I bring scones too, so we have morning tea. Bam. Yeah. You can take misery cake to the next meeting too. <laughs> they may not want me back, Bushy. Yeah, well, fair, fair enough. <laughs> no, so, you know, it's really a chat, you know. We, and, and the other thing is they are so proud of their properties. You know, they're so excited to be here and they are really wanting to give this a red-hot crack. And, you know, I recently went out to visit a blueberry farm that um, had been, for generations, had been just neglected. And the, it's been um, purchased through the family for, for new tree changes that have come on board. And they want to regenerate this blueberry farm. And I've just come out there and, and you know, I just, they are so switched on. They're going to get this done. And it's going to be a lot of work, but they're willing to do it. And, you know, I'm just, whatever you need, we'll find it for you, connect you in straight away. And they came away and they said, look, you know, thanks for coming out and speaking to us because everyone of our friends and family is saying, you're just being stupid. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and she goes, you know, your encouragement has really, you know, given us confidence and the fact that, you know, and that's how I also see it. The project is a welcoming committee and a safety net. And a bit like Tinder. Yeah, a bit like Tinder (laughs) without the... So do you have swipe left, swipe right? Do you have like a whole kind of array of older, uh, experienced farmers yeah. with certain skills, and yeah. you're able to match make them to the new people that come in? Yep, absolutely. So yep, it's whatever, and that's the thing that I try and um, focus on with our farmers. You know, they do have a specialty. They do have, you know, so much knowledge to share. They've worked these lands for sometimes their entire lives, and we may have only bought a little patch of that. But they they know how to work it, mm-hmm. and what works on one property is not necessarily going to work on another. Yep. You know whether it just with what's growing there, the climate that goes through it, the you know the type of soil, that sort of thing. All these things are factors that you just you just don't think of when you've come up from Melbourne because it's not a one size fits all. No, I did have one little question. You um, because I I think the, the the overriding ethics and guidelines that you've applied there are fantastic, especially ecological stuff and regenerative and mm. um, and not. You know, destroying the place for some old timers. That's all they know. Yes. How did that go with some people? I sort of filter them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, does there? What am I saying? Have you had any say aggressive objectors? I haven't personally. No. Mm. Um, I know they're out there, and I'm I'm waiting. Yeah, they yeah. will happen. But at the end of the day, I think you know the model that we are building of respect for mm. all went. There's really, you Every can't, well, you can't fight with that really, Bushy. No. Like we're not out to hurt anybody. Our tree changes aren't out to hurt anybody. Our farmers aren't, yeah. you know, and our farmers do, you know, a lot of them do know that, you know, if you're not going to respect the land, you're not going to feed your family. No. And that's well, what it comes down to. Where are you at now? So you've moved up there. Yep. You're earning two wages in Melbourne. Um, I'm assuming Hubby's allowed to stay at the farm and doesn't get sent away every morning now? Well, he's still he... commuting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he does and he ignores the cows on the road. Yes, and... well, now we've only got two so they don't get <laughs> and we've And we've learned how to strain fences, which is surprisingly easy, which was one yeah. of the last things we did on our list. Yep. And it's really funny because the kids know how to do it now. 
So will you get to the point where you can both live there and be productive or you just don't have enough land? I don't think we've got enough land, yeah. but um, that doesn't mean that, you know, the project can't t- take yep. us to, you know, because th- the idea is for the project to expand through Victoria, Australia, mm. because it is a model that can be adapted, yep. really, to any rural community. Yeah. And to any skill. Well, any skill, exactly. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, I've even heard of um, someone in Melbourne, you know, she she was ne- lived next door to a grandma and, you know, and she was teaching her how to bake. So they were, they were sharing knowledge mm. in, in Grandma's kitchen. I could know? really do with somebody to help me with my gardening. That can be arranged. Anyone out there, let me know. Absolutely. <laughs> but this, yeah, I mean, that's what's wonderful about it. Is it so ha, ha, to what degree has the model that you've established, has that started to move out into other... Cause, I mean, you're mostly operating Macedon Ranges. Mostly Macedon Ranges, but it's already picking up... It was initially picking up the periphery as well, so yep. Mount Alexander Shire and Hepburn as well. Yeah. And it's reaching further and further now... Um, this year I think is going to get our furthest reach. I mean, I have I have had calls from Darwin, from New South Wales, from WA. Fair income. But obviously I can't service, service those areas no. yet. Yep. So, yeah, but that's definitely, definitely something that, um, yeah, we're going to expand out to. And the, the, is it a membership model that you pay for? Yes, you do pay for it. But you've also got the option, you can just keep an eye on the project and turn up to the events or just attend the workshops and... You know, it's just really, it's it's about involvement. So I don't want to exclude anyone because, you know, they're not a member as such. There is still a lot they can be involved in and a lot they can get assistance with without paying full membership. Hmm. Well, it, it is effectively a mentoring program. So I guess one of the questions that springs to mind is... Um, is the is it sort of funding itself to the degree yet that you can start to mentor other... Um, other people to do what you're doing. Like a franchise. A fran- yeah. Well, yeah. Not quite yet. That mm. is the plan for this year, though. I mm. think this year is going to be a big year for the project. It's gathering a lot of interest. Yep. And, you know, with the right people on board, that will happen very quickly. Awesome. This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Greening the Apocalypse is the program you're tuned to, and we are speaking with the founder of This Farm Needs a Farmer, Melissa Connors. Um, we were talking about the way the, you know, the program kicked off, the way mm-hmm. This Farm Needs a Farmer formed, um, and you were talking about it's effectively a mentor scheme. Um, we wanted to ask, how do you find your mentors? Well, that has been a bit tricky mm. with the older, the older generation. Farmers so, are average 60-plus years old in Australia, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because they are so humble and don't see a lot of value in what they have to offer, I've really had to earn them. So I just keep turning up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, you know, just request to, to go at their meetings. A lot of groups in town like Rotary, Lions, yeah. um, Senior Sits Club, and I just keep turning up and I bring treats and nice. sort of, win, you know, try and win them over that way. That's interesting when you think about scaling it and having a franchise model. There's not an an easy, time-efficient way to no. reach these mentors. You actually have to put the time in, spend, go to the meetings. Yep. So you need to you 100 times over. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, or someone, you know, that can... that. You know, that can connect in with the community like I have, you know, and that can run with it. And, you know, there's a lot of patience required, but the stories that they tell, like these are pioneers of our country and they are quite amazing and quite Mm. undervalued. Yeah. They're amazing. 
Um, do you th- see the program as being um, an effective way of uh, addressing the issue of young blood not taking up tools on the farm? Because I know there's a lot of there's a hell of mm. a lot of people that are keen to kind of go out and have a market garden or, or yep. raise pigs or, or whatever it might be. Um, but the, as you found yourself, the the gulf between wanting to do it and knowing how to do it can be massive. Is this is this? And something? it's not just sorry to butt in, but it's yeah. not just the gulf between wanting to do it and knowing how to do it. Mm. There's so many different barriers to access, and a yes. major one is finance and being mm. able to move and having the capacity to move. Because I imagine if you profiled all of your tree changer people that are able to go to Macedon and buy property, mm. you'd find that a lot of them were wealthy and a lot of them had the financial ability to do that, whereas a lot of the people who want to do that are young and can't. Mm. Mm. So there's a thing. Is there a capacity within this program, you think, to actually get people who are enthusiastic onto leased land or is this a thing that's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Talk about it. Because a lot of people, you know, they want the space but they don't want to work it. And then you've got people who can't afford the space but do want. Right. So we just match them up. Amazing. Yeah. You know, some people have just bought in town because they want to be in town. Yep. You know, they want to be closer to things, but they'd like a patch of their own, you mm-hmm. know, to I don't know, whatever they want to do. Veggies. Yep. Brilliant. Orchards, whatever they want to do. Awesome. Uh, okay, so coming up, uh, we mentioned this briefly at the start of the show, you have got an inaugural field day that you've assembled. We do. This farm needs a farmer field day. Uh, the T-F-N-A-F-F-D, I think, <laughs> if you're on Twitter. Um, what can we expect on the day? You can expect, um, I've called it a field day, but it's not your typical field day that you would see throughout our rural communities. Mm. It's more tailored towards our tree changes. Yep. So it's not c- preaching to the converted. It's actually, you know, really taking things from the ground up. Yes. And you can walk in there and there is absolutely no judgment. There mm-hmm. is no question off limits. I've got... I've hand-selected exhibitors that are actually really in tune with what tree changes need Mm -hmm. and how they work. And, you know, so they come away feeling supported and and really enthusiastic and that they can do this because if you've got the right tools and the right advice, man, woman or child, you can do it. Yes. Absolutely. The other point of difference we've got is we're going to have roving farmers. So these are just not, you know, wealths of knowledge just walking around. They're going to be identifiable. With their specialty, you can just walk up and talk to them. Oh, sit down, have a cup of tea. Are with they going to have t-shirts on? No, I, they wouldn't go for that. I, I'm, <laughs> really, I'm really pushing it just with the lanyard, so you know, and the name tag, because some of them just like to hide and you know, and just fade into the background. But mm. you know, it's just an opportunity because to put them on a stand would be really strange. But yeah. you know, they can just walk around, and you know, and I say, turn up when you want to turn up, stay as long as you want to stay, mm. and. Just let people ask you questions. Yep. And that's basically, you know. What are some of the skill sets that are going to be there? Well, we're going to have permaculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got um, woodshop exhibition as yep. well, so a bit of a competition there. We've got, oh, gosh, so many things, sheep, alpacas. We've got beef. So livestock, market yeah, gardening. Yeah, yep. yep. stonemasonry. Is that you? <laughs> it might be. Oh, it might, might be a few be. things in my stock. Any tractors? <laughs> so, yeah, tractors. Tractors. We're actually, um, I'm working on getting a hire company to, because you don't want to move onto your land and buy all these toys. No. They are very expensive. Mm. And you can easily, I've had one tree changer who bought 30 acres in Hesket, for example, went to a machinery and the guy goes, you're going to need this, you're going to need this, you're going to need this. Mm. $8,000 later and he rang me and he goes, 
we can't afford this, you know, because that's the other thing. You move up here and there are all, suddenly all these expenses that you mm. have not budgeted for in yeah. any way, shape or form because the farm itself is another entity. You know, you've got your family and then you've got your house, to already, which is standard in Melbourne, but then you've got the farm. Yeah. And that's not budgeted for. And it doesn't sleep. No. It doesn't stop. It doesn't sleep. And things always go wrong when it's freezing cold on Sunday night, yep. you know, and nobody's around. So you've got to learn to fix it. So, yeah, so he rang me and he's like, we can't afford this. I said, this is, I'll give you some numbers because it was just to get his grass down. He was petrified of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, right. that old biblical thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we found someone and $200 later he's got yep. someone looking after his grass and keeping it short for him. Yeah. You know, and that's affordable. Yeah. And that also puts money back into the you know, the economy, mm. and he's, look, look, you know, got the grass under control so he feels he can let his kids run around on the grass. Yep. You know, I've never seen a snake in that area. Have you? I know they're uh, there, but I've never seen one on like my property. One in about 2005. Yeah. So I wasn't actually living up there at the time. Yeah, just the one. <laughs> um, you have achieved a hell of a lot with this in a fairly a fairly short time. When, did it, when was the seed first planted, pardon the pun? Uh, 2015 was the first grant funds. Yeah. So, yeah. And it hasn't gone unrecognised. Can you tell us a bit about your award yes, nomination? I can. Yeah. So, AgriFutures Rural Women's Award. So, I'm a finalist for Victoria and that is an award that I really, I wasn't even going to apply for because yeah, I didn't right. think we had enough. I didn't think I had enough. And it got to the, the Sunday night that it was due and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a crack. <laughs> awesome. And I got it in right on the minute before it was due. Yeah. And I actually sent an email to the contacts and said, you've got my submission, you know, just to make sure that it got there on time, you know, mm. let them know that it was coming. Yeah. And then, you know, I got the email that I was the finalist. That was before Christmas. But I didn't, my life is so chaotic mm-hmm. with a newborn and three other kids that I didn't find it till the new year. Right. And then I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. You know, and so that's when I was selected and then I had the phone interview and um, became the finalist and, mm-hmm. yeah, so now I've got the panel interview this Friday. Oh, yeah. good luck. There's three yeah. of us and, you know, I'm giving it a red hot go because I, I just the – look, it's not just about the prize money with the bursary that comes with it. It's the networks and the connections yep. that come with it and I really – that is what is working for the project. Mm. It's me just bearing all my mistakes out there and saying, yep, because I do get tree changers saying, you know, we've done that, but I've been too embarrassed to tell, to tell anybody. <laughs> ah. Whereas I'm up there saying, yep, this has happened to me. You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Yes, Triple R is where you've been at. Greening the Apocalypse is the show you have been tuned to. And our guest this evening has been Melissa Connors. Melissa, once again, thank you so much for coming in. Can you give us... Um, just another plug for some of the places people can find out about This Farm Needs a Farmer and indeed the inaugural field day. Sure. The uh, the website has lots of information on there and it also has my contact details. So if anyone wants to talk to me personally, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, or shoot me an email. We've got uh, the Facebook page, which um, has all our events and actually start with profiling some exhibitors that are going to be there on the day as, as we count down each day. Mm-hmm. You guys were just talking off air about... Was this, was this the... Um, the Women's Agricultural Award that you're going to on Thursday night? 
What were you just talking about at Crown Palladia? Oh, no, it's a Women's Day event in the evening. It's nothing to do with agriculture. Oh, sorry, I had one ear on that and one ear on something else. I'm so but sorry. But we were talking about finding mentors for people in the city yes. who are growing their own fruit and veg and wanting to do bees and all that kind of stuff. You just want a gardener. No. Don't you? No, I want to do it myself, but I want to... Like, I, I should know what I'm doing. I've been doing it for a bloody long time, but I keep killing everything still. And many, many people through 3,000 acres are having the same problem. So I think there's a role for farmer, farm needs a farmer absolutely. in the city context yep, as well. absolutely. This city needs a farmer. Yeah. Oh. Magnificent. Hey, Katie, uh, your project, 3,000 acres, is there a bit of stuff coming up for that that you know of? Um, not off the top of my head, but she let me just check the Facebook page. <laughs> well, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that is happening, um, we talk a bit about the field day that's coming up. It's, I mean, it, look, it's partly going to help some exhibitors there to, to meet um, a new customer base, but it's also going to help a hell of a lot of the, the people that are moving up there to not waste a hell of a lot of money on the wrong things. Like, all said and done, baling twine has been the best belt possible since the 1930s. Yeah. So, um, but what, is, what are some of those sort of outrageous expenses that people have kind of reported back to you other than the guy who nearly bought eight grand worth of mowing equipment? Yeah, it's also um, just feed for your, for your livestock and asking for the right type. Mm. There's all these different types. And if you go in and say, you know, I need a, I need a bale of hay. Yeah. Do you know how many different types there are? Yeah, but there's only one really expensive <laughs> yeah, type. That's isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and someone's gone in, I need some, I need some hay. This is a really small example, but it was only for the guinea pig hutch. Okay, you need straw. Yeah. You don't need hay for that. Right. Yeah, so therein lies the key difference. Katie? Yeah. Uh, nothing coming up. Oh. At the moment, but lots of exciting things how, coming how up in the future. You, how might you overlay this uh, project that Melissa's established at, at uh, 3,000? Because I know 3,000 acres puts people in touch with land. Mm. But to what degree has it become an educational format as well? Well... There's a lot of demand for it. So we have a lot of people asking us about running workshops and how to grow stuff. Mm. And we do that by um, running workshops and networking people together in the hope that one of them has some knowledge. But we don't handpick mentors to uh, Tinder with um, (laughs) mentees. But I think we should. Definitely. We definitely can. I was just having the conversation. This, This model is not only a regional and rural model, it can be taken anywhere. Yeah. It is just about opening doors. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. and for different skills as well. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.